You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Uh, tonight I've got Jim Johnson. Hey all. And Louis Fergoni. Hello. And we're going to talk about the first round of the NFL draft. We've been conditioned to believe it's really, really important. I mean, you know, it can make or break your franchise and uh, whatever you do, you better do it right. Well, if you look back on history, uh, which is exactly what we did, we, we look back at uh, 2012 and 2013, and we came up with a real simple formula to kind of get an idea as to how many of these guys that were drafted in those drafts actually came in and really impacted a franchise in a positive way. The uh, uh, formula that we used was they had to play 75% of their games and they had to still be with their team that drafted them. Pretty much, you know, franchise-type players. Uh, for Carolina, there was Luke Keekley, and I don't think anybody would argue that he's been a franchise-type player. With Philadelphia, there's Fletcher Cox. Cincinnati is Drake Kirkpatrick. Melvin Ingram for the Chargers. Uh, David DeCastro for the Steelers. Uh, Whitney Marcellus for Houston. Harrison Smith for Minnesota. And uh, I added Andrew Luck. He did miss a few games short of 75% because of his so uh, shoulder surgery and all that. But uh, we threw him in there because it wouldn't have been fair not to. Uh, and in 2013, it was very, very similar. Uh, you had Eric Fisher for the Chiefs. You had Lane Johnson for the Eagles. You had uh, Ezekiel Ansah for Detroit. Uh, Desmond Trufant for Atlanta. Xavier Rhodes for Minnesota. DeAndre Hopkins for Houston. And uh, Travis Frederick, the center for Dallas. Uh, so for those two drafts combined, you had 14 players plus Andrew Luck. That's 15. So you can see that 32 teams, 64 possible players, and you've got 15. So that means that uh, three quarters of the league is not getting it done from a, a draft perspective, or they're not able to keep those players uh, because of the salary cap. Uh, what has what your research shown, Lou? Basically, the same thing you just spoke about, Mike. Uh, you know, it's a situation where guys are drafted, there's so much hype behind the first round of the NFL draft, and you come to realize that the majority are not succeeding in the NFL. You know, they some of the players have marginal success, but when you look at first-round picks, you know, you think of guys that are going to be with the organization, like you said, for five, six years, develop into your top-notch players, you know, your best players, and that is not the case in most cases. You know, you went back to 2012 – and there's there, that was actually a decent draft compared to 2013. Yeah, now, the number the numbers were identical. <laughs> right. Yes, but you know there were some marginal players in 2012 as compared to 2013. Yes. There were just some absolute flops in yes. 2013, like EJ Manuel, you know, the quarterback that Buffalo drafted. And there's a few other examples too, without going down the whole list. Um, Deion Jordan. You know, the guy that we drafted at, at three. Boom. Hor horrible, horrible pick. So, like you said, you know, without uh, beating a dead horse, that, that is the case. You know, the majority are not succeeding in the NFL. And we've all been 
trained by the NFL because of the hype now, the, the show, what they do as far as hyping it up, and people just get so pumped up about it. And what you learn to realize is, is that a lot of these guys just aren't succeeding in the NFL. They're either not succeeding or the team can't afford to keep them and they move on. Some of them have gone on that they're not on my list. They've gone on to have nice careers, but they're playing with two, three, four different teams because they're playing the contract game. Every time it runs out, they're electing for free agency and they're not uh, willing to take a team friendly deal and maybe stay with their original team, you know. Right, and that's a that's a whole other avenue that we can go down at some point. But you know, I'm just talking about productivity. Uh huh. You know, as far as how you look at a first round pick, when you're talking about a first round pick, again, you know, you're thinking superstar, and that's not the case. Or right. star. I would even take star. And what you come to realize, and I went back, you know, to 2012, like you did, Mike, and. Ran it all the way up to 2017, and that's the case for the most part every single draft. Some are a little bit better than others, but for the most part, there is a ton of misses by every team in the NFL. Let me just explain why I went back that far. Uh, I I think you have to go beyond five years because of the contract situations. Uh, Teams are are keeping those players cheaply, even if they're not producing, like a Deion uh, Jordan, and we had him for quite a while. Uh, Now we have Charles Harris, who's not really producing, but yet he's staying on the team. Uh, Once he becomes uh, expensive, (laughs) you'll see him move on, I'm sure, unless he picks up his productivity. Yeah, there's, there's just so many different things that factor into whether a player will, number one, be a star, number two, stay with his team. Uh, you've got free agency. That's a huge deal for all of the agents and the players are looking for their maximum payout. If you're not a quarterback or a, a defensive end or a cornerback, most teams are reluctant to pay those giant contracts, while other teams that are desperate for a particular player will will overpay for those players. So that whole free agency thing does factor into this, because there's a lot of guys out there on this these two drafts in 12 and 13 that are quality players. They're just not with the teams that drafted them for one reason or another. And there's one other thing. You know, we can always pick on the the Deion Jordan pick. And he he didn't pan out because, you know, he was a pothead and he didn't really have the drive. In my opinion, he didn't fit our scheme at the time. So, you know, you're trying to draft a, a top talent, which is fine. But if that top talent doesn't fit what you're trying to do, you're making the wrong pick anyway. Uh, so there's so many things that go into these decisions and these picks, and there's so much hype, you know, the three months leading up to a draft that people get fooled, people fall in love with a player, and then, you know, push comes to shove three months down the road, uh, you find out a guy's a head case or, you know, is beating up his girlfriend or any number of things that can spoil a guy's outlook for a team. There is way too many things that can go left or right instead of straightforward. I think when we look at the first round of the draft, you know, we just get so um, amped up. And so our expectations are so high that regardless of where they're picking, we expect them to fix the franchise. 
and it's just <laughs> it's it's not something that's probably going to happen and, and i think people have to understand that you know we we just we we throw too much weight on these first round picks and expect them to be something they're probably not going to be uh except in rare instances and you mentioned that putting a lot of weight on these players as far as responsibilities and some of these players are just kids and and they're not they can't handle the weight and uh, all of the hype and they finally get drafted and if you're in the top 10 or the top half of the draft uh there is a lot of expectations put on their shoulders and some of them simply don't have the tools or the mental fortitude to make that happen. Well, the other the other thing that happens, I think, is exactly what you said with Deion Jordan. Either they're miscast into the role that you're giving them, or they're coming from college and they have to adjust to the pro game. And that's all based on projection. You have to project what a guy is going to do at the next level. You're not looking at what he's done in a similar situation. So... It's difficult. It's a very difficult projection to make, and uh, the GMs aren't as good as we'd like to think they are. Right, and and you know, not not harping on Dion Jordan, but you know, there's there's 31 other teams in the NFL, and if if he was the type of player that would fit in somebody's scheme of things on defense, then he would have been there. He hasn't produced anywhere he's gone. So, you know, there are guys that, yeah, we can make excuses for him. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, as a player and as an individual, he just hasn't panned out. You know, it's that simple. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, there's there's just like I keep saying this, there's so many different directions that everything can go. And you've got scouts and you've got all of these player personnel people that are doing homework on these guys. And on the other side of that, you've got all of these college draftees coming out. And I think the agents are just as hungry as the players. They're, they're, they they're propping these guys up and trying to cover all their blemishes. And those guys that do a better job of covering up the scabs with makeup or something they they get those players a higher reward and a bigger contract and and that's what pays the bills uh and then when they finally get on the practice field the team is like "Uh uh-oh what'd we do so that's you know you see some of these fairly fresh draftees uh, get traded off in a year or two down the road and some of that has to be fairly obvious to the to the management inside that team that this guy's not what we wanted so we we need to cut our losses and move on now right it, isn't it funny how with all the technology the combine and all the game film i mean they can literally look at you know a game at 15, 20 different angles, quarterbacks, all the technology involved nowadays, and they still cannot get picks right. You would think that at this point and how everything is developed, that every team would be able to draft a guy just looking at game film. And know exactly what he is. and, And the combine and all the things they send these guys through, that this guy is definitely gonna be a productive player. But yet, if you look at it and you go back in history, they haven't done anything anything more than what they were doing years ago. It may actually be a little bit worse nowadays for those exact reasons, that they, they maybe put too much into how quickly a guy runs a 40 or, or how high he can jump. 
you know, I just don't understand why with all the technology and with all the training and everything that they do that they're still missing on guys over and over again. Well, I, I think one of the biggest things there is you can't measure or identify a player's desire once he is into the NFL. You know, we've seen how many dozens of guys, uh, you know, play the old Oliver Vernon card where he was he was unidentifiable until, you know, the last his contract year, until yeah. the last half of his contract year. And then the guy caught fire and then he got his giant contract and he kind of I mean, he had a decent decent year or two, but he, he kind of disappeared again like he had before. So that desire from a player, each individual player, if it's not there, I mean, it's it, it doesn't matter how talented he is. It doesn't matter if he's 10 times better than everybody else. If he's only given half effort, it just doesn't show on the field. So all those measurables that these guys are using and the, that whole Wonderlick score thing is a great example. You know, they're supposed to score this, that, or the other to be a, a quality pick. And, uh, you know, if Dan Marino is only getting a 15 or 16, uh, that kind of shoots that theory in the, in the butt right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's why they harp on, you know, we got to find players that love the game uh, and, uh, you know, you would think everybody playing it does, but that's not the case. A lot of these guys are just strictly money motivated. No coast for their first three years, and then they hit, then they uh, all of a sudden decide to get with the program and, and give a hundred percent effort, and uh, in, in hopes of uh, increasing their value. And uh, sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, and the and the truth of the matter is, is with the amount of money that's being passed around. And I don't care who you are. It does make you soft. It it honestly does. I mean, the guys that were playing back in the day, they, they were they were fighting for a job year yeah. in and year out. Nowadays, they get this big contract. You know, sometimes the rookie contracts they get are you know are just over the top, and they they're living large, and it does make you soft. You know, the hunger just isn't there. And then when you get that, you know, maybe you get a second contract they're after that rookie contract and it's done um, you know these guys just get they believe the hype in themselves they're, they're listening to agents they're living a very very comfortable life they're set for life a lot of these guys if they're smart with their money and it does make you soft i think it would do, and i'm not i'm not knocking them for that i'm just saying that that has a lot to do with the fact that these guys maybe aren't doing what they once did you know, in regard to being drafted and just maintaining that hunger. Well, I think it does. I, I think it does for a number of reasons. You know, your 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 body is your business, and uh, you need to keep your body uh, in the best physical shape that you can. Uh, that that may mean not sticking your head in that pile uh, like they may have used to have done. There, there are times where you see players give up on a play when years ago you rarely saw that. It's just a different game now, and, and that's the way it is. Uh, you know, and, and in a sense, it's understandable when you got guys signing thirty-five million dollar a year contracts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the mental, the mental aspect of the game is definitely a big part of it. You see so many players. You know, a la Brian Cox, you know, he played on the edge every game. He was he was teeter-tottering about going too far. Uh, 
but that's where that's where he played his best football was right on the edge. A lot of these players, a la Devontae Parker, you know, they don't get anywhere near the edge. Uh, no. I, you know, <laughs> you know th- there's no, I mean, I just watched the guy play and I, I don't see the desire, the, the, the fire, the, yeah, you know, yeah. the will to win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't see the, I am going to catch that friggin' ball and I'm going to get it over your face and, and it's, you know, I'm going to rub it in your face afterwards. I'm going to score and, and it's going to be fantastic. And I mean, did you ever doubt Clayton's will to win? Ever? No, no. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, and these are the things that I, I don't see on these teams anymore. They're celebrating on plays when they're three scores down and, and they're, I don't understand the mentality. And I know that I probably should looking at free agency and, and all of these players make their money by their individual performance because they know win, lose, or draw. If they play well, they're going to get another contract wherever. But these drafts are so convoluted. I mean, you pick, you pick a guy that you think is going to help your team now and just hope for the best is all you can do. Well, that is all you can do, and that's what they're going to do come Thursday, you know? Exactly. Uh, but history shows us that three-quarters of the teams are probably not going to be successful in doing so. Uh, so, well, you know, we can isolate why we think that is, but uh, it is what it is. It doesn't really matter why it is. It just is. And the thing so, I'd like to make sure everybody everybody hears and understands you know i've been hearing everybody knocking and killing us about our drafts ireland was no good tannenbaum was no good no, Ro- ireland was no good ross is an idiot and and i get it yeah ireland was bad i i give you that but it's not just us you know three quarters of the league is is missing on these draft picks as well you know, so it's not just our management. It's it's everybody's. You know, everybody's. You know, is missing picks here and there, and they get fooled now and then, or or fifty percent of the more time. more times than not. Yeah, exactly. More times so, than not. <laughs> so don't uh, don't have an aneurysm when a when a draft pick isn't a starter and going to the Pro Bowl in his first year. Yeah, you know, to your point, Jim, the New England Patriots over the last six seven years. Three of those years, they didn't even have a number one draft pick. They, they, you know, we're going to take away Sonny Michael or Michelle, however you pronounce his name. Is it Michelle? Michelle, yeah. I don't like to pronounce any Patriots' names. You know, I'd, I'd call them other names other well, than their real names as we're watching games. But that, that's, that's a whole other story. You're already but, getting my blood pressure worked up. so Exactly. So with that being said, the Patriots, over this span of years that we looked at the draft they did not have a number one pick in three of those years two other picks were marginal players that moved on after a few years so the bottom line is that this team has won year in and year out over the last seven eight years without getting any production or little to no production out of their first round pick so again to your point jim Here's a team that's been the most successful in the NFL over the last, you know, eight years, and they haven't gotten anything from any of their number one draft picks, anything that you would expect them to get. So, you know, you, you hit you hit right on in regard to that. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, some of our draft some of our draft picks over the last eight years have actually, if you graded them out, we'd probably grade a little bit ahead of where New England did in the first round. 
Hey guys, I wanted to break in here real quick just to ask a favor of you. On the app that you're listening on, uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit like, leave a, a comment on your thoughts of the show. And uh, if you didn't know, we do, we do run a Facebook group. Uh, it's Miami Dolphins number one. That's hashtag one. We talk uh, Dolphins football 24-7-365. We'd love to have you join us and share your thoughts. And uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, let's make it a habit. We'll see you next week. All right. Now back to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'm surrounded by everything Patriots, Patriots fan, Patriots news, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I get a pretty steady diet of the Patriots drafts and all the talk. It's on the radio. It's so everywhere. So you keep saying. Uh-huh. And yeah. So... <laughs> So over the years, you know, for 20 years, realistically, they don't draft flashy players. They draft the hardworking guys, the guys that, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, that seem to love the game of football. And I don't, I don't really know who's making these decisions. If it's Belichick, I don't know, but they don't, they don't pick those guys that are, that are supposed to translate to football and be this high quality guy that have the high-risk, high-reward type of thing, which is, you know, the Deion Jordan extraordinaire pick. He's either fantastic or he's trash. And uh, they go with safer picks, and they they plug in guys that have no name, no reputation, and they, quote, do their job, and they just keep winning. And it, it's a bit sickening, but it works, so you can't really knock it. So if if you know if they keep going to the Super Bowl or the championship game, so their their average pick in the first round is like twenty eighth to thirty first or second. So trading out of the first round really isn't a big deal, right? If they had the tenth, eleventh, fifteenth pick, maybe they wouldn't trade it. But you get down towards the bottom of the first round, uh, all the top talent is really gone unless somebody slides for some silly reason so for them it's easy just to drop out of the first round and grab another pick in the second or something so it makes perfect sense and they keep on going well you know they have the most picks in the draft this year and there's a reason why that is that's the game that they play they believe in uh you know more more stabs at the uh chance of getting it right yeah more shots in the dark yep and they get, you know, they get compensatory picks because they don't overpay to keep people. The more, the better as far as draft picks go. Yep. I mean, their strategy makes sense. But the, the, the fact that they do miss on so many first-round picks is kind of alarming in itself. You know, you wouldn't expect to see that. But it, it is. But that's why. I mean, they, they end up mortgaging a lot of their picks for, for later picks in the draft and uh, bringing in more players. And they're really, really good at looking over discards around the league and and finding what those players do well and asking them just to do that and they work on their team you know they they they're an exception uh i think uh than most of the other teams but it was still uh, interesting that they're not hitting on the first round picks yeah it's not, you know it's not only the the first round picks if you if you look at new england's history especially at the wide receiver position they right. have drafted guys over the years that just one after another just have not panned out for them. I think all through Brady's career, they have drafted guys. And, you know, they may not be first rounders, second, third rounders, but none of the guys 
have panned out for them. I can't think of one that has, with the exception of Edelman. Right. Um, you know, looking at any yeah, they, of the, they tend you to go re- the free agent route. You're right. I, but I can't. They do. You know, they Amandela, Wes Welker, the trade with us. You know, Randy Moss going back, yeah. back to that, the Brandon Cooks trade, so on and so forth. So it's kind of interesting. You know, their whole philosophy on things and the fact that they're so successful at what they do. And like you said, Mike, they are great at picking up players from other teams that fit their mold, that fit their system. And they do a great job. And it seems like they do it at every position, whether it be linebacker, running backs. Dion Lewis was on how many teams before they before right. he went over to New England, two or three teams, and look at how productive he was with New England. You know, Woodhead's another one, right? Didn't he get cast off by a couple teams and New England snatched him up? I'm sure. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of examples. It's hard to remember. With the, <laughs> it's because been so they have long. So ma- well, they, <laughs> they just have so many players that, you know, that, that just fit a certain mold. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, the funny thing about this whole thing in regard to – without getting off on another subject, but, again, this is what Shula was doing back in the 80s with role players. And Belichick, it's a ton of credit for something that was being done, you know, during Shula's era, you know. And he, he did it with guys like Nathan and Woody Ben and Andre. He just had six different running backs that did different things for him. So Belichick's doing a lot of what – and the Patriots are doing a lot of what Miami did years ago. Yep. When we were yep. successful. Yep. I wonder if there's a correlation there. <laughs> mm. They were a little bit connected back in the day. But, yeah, it, it's, you know, all of the successful franchises, you know, were all doing similar things. You know, the Steelers, the, you know, the Cowboys, Back in the 70s, you know, they were all drafting very similarly. They didn't go crazy for those big flashy names. And, you know, they had a, they, they all had one thing in common. They had a solid coach and a franchise quarterback. That, those two things make everything else so much easier. They also had offensive lines. Well, understood, understood. But when you've got a solid quarterback, you know, now you can fill in around him. You know, you had your... Your Terry Bradshaws and your your Bob Greasies and uh, your Roger Staubachs and you 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 plug you plug players in around them and you if you draft well and play well, hey, what do you know? We win championships. So if you've got mediocre players, you've really got to exceed expectations to to do much winning. That's for sure. Well, I think in today's game, the way the everything is structured, you ha- you have to do more than draft well because you're not going to hit on all those picks. You've got to find those free agents who can help your team. Uh, and, and I'm not talking the high-dollar free agents. I'm talking the lower free agents, uh, the leftover free agents. You've got to find what they do well and, and find a role for them. Uh, you, you've got to be able to make some trades that work to your benefit and uh, – You've got to build your team in every every avenue you can. Uh, you can't rely solely on the draft. You can't rely solely on free agency. You've got to be good at all of it in order to be successful. I believe. Yeah, it's true, I, no doubt. I uh, 
I hate to keep plugging the Patriots on this Dolphins Yeah, podcast. it's starting to get annoying, Yes, Jim. it is. It is. But that, that move at left tackle that the Patriots pulled off last, last year was was a real beauty. They uh, they got a guy that was discarded, basically. They signed him cheap. They let their, their big dollar left tackle go and signed a huge contract, and they, they plugged a nobody in. It's it's all good for them again, and it's it's a bit mind boggling. They're ruthless. Yeah, right, they, really I, I you know, but I, I see this time and again how these things these things play off play out for them, and it's it's like damn, it's like the the deck is stacked against everybody else. Mm-hmm. They do it over and over, and you know, to your point, Mike, in regard to going different avenues. Yep, and we've proved it by doing this research on the first round. A lot of these rosters are made up of guys that are not first round picks you know the majority of these of these teams are basically made up of guys that came in later rounds so we all look at that first round as being so important and it's so hyped up in regard to that but if you look at the majority of rosters they are made up of guys all through the other rounds more so than first round picks you know, it, it to your point, Mike. You have to go a lot of different avenues, other than you know, other than number one draft picks, and say this is what we've got to do three, four years in a row. We have to have first round picks that are going to be the stars of our team. It doesn't work out that way. A lot of these teams, like New England and a few of these other teams that have been successful year in and year out, are not necessarily built around their first round picks. You know, they no, not like not like it used to be. And no. They can't. The free agency demands that they can't. Exactly. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, the first round thing, again, you know, it's it, it. there's so much importance put on it when in actuality it shouldn't be that way. You know, the whole draft as a whole and what you do in free agency wise, like you touched on, it's just and if just as important, if not more important. Yep. 53 men, the best 53 win. And uh, that's how you have to build your team. Unless you have Aaron Rodgers, Mike. And that- well, you know what? They're not winning. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say. That, no, I mean, I- he's, he's a great quarterback, but he doesn't have enough tools around him. Agreed. Yep. But they, think- it, it, without, without him, <laughs> yeah, they, right. they probably win two games a year. That's how bad they are. And you can say that for, for Luck as well. I know you yep. talked about Andrew Luck earlier, but yep. – they're starting to put some players around him, but he is just a one-man machine over there, and he's won a lot of games for them. It seems like he does it single-handedly. So, you know, there again, you you have to you have to have guys in all different aspects, all different avenues coming in and helping your team win. It's just tough when you're paying one guy fifteen percent of your salary cap. Uh, you somewhere on your team, you're going to suffer. And that's the problem that these guys face, uh, you know, the Packers and the Colts and uh, uh, those kind of teams. I think Seattle will face it too now. Uh, you know, you, you just got to make up somewhere else because uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough otherwise. Uh, you know, it's tough to do. I think Packers have shown you it's tough to do. Yes, and they've had some really bad draft picks, you know, which yep. have hurt them on the defensive side of the football. You know, the offensive line's been banged up a little bit over the last few years. You know, they've missed on a lot of draft picks, not only in the first round, but going, you know, thereafter as well. And Green Bay's starting to feel, you know, feel that from bad drafts and not getting players in there that, uh, 
you know, are helpful. You look at the receivers that they draft, it seems like every single one of them becomes a superstar over there, but the rest <laughs> of the team suffers. So right. is that is that Aaron Rodgers that's making these guys into great players? Because they just, they just come in and next man up and they become stars. And then the next man up, next guy becomes a star. But you don't see that anywhere else on that football team. It's interesting. I just want everybody to kind of temper temper expectations. Uh, don't do too much of that knee jerk reaction, and and you know either down the whole thing a Kool Aid or you know condemn everybody involved. You you sign a guy come Thursday, your first round pick. You're either going to be happy or sad or somewhere in the middle. You know, let's just see what happens, everybody. We got a new a new regime, new coaching staff. We really, I mean. We don't really know what to expect from this. You know, we we can have an educated guess, but... I know what to expect. I want wins. Yeah, I know. I I want wins as well, but, you know, we don't really know what this staff's mentality is as far as who they're going to pick. So this will be an interesting ride, and uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, it will be interesting. And, uh, you know, just don't put too much emphasis on their first-round pick. That's all we're saying. I did just see a mock draft. I think it was yesterday where they had the... Oh, another one? I know. One of the 652 that I've looked at. Uh, this one involved the Dolphins trading down about 10 spots and still being able to to draft uh, Christian Wilkins. So that was a pretty uh, pretty exciting mock, but uh, I, I don't think the chances of that happening are very good. <laughs> I don't think so. That's why I'm, that's why I'm laughing, Jim. Yeah, that, no. that is... It's that's almost comical, but yeah, you know, let, let's just hope that they draft the best guy available on the board and they don't reach. Let's hope they don't go out and try to pull in a quarterback. Let, let's let's get the best player on the board available. That's that that's what that's I'm it. hoping that they do, because if they start reaching. I'm going to have a problem with this new regime. I can tell you that right off the bat. This is basically their stamp. And it's kind of important if you think about it with this whole new regime. This first round draft pick is going to go a long way in how people look at them going forward. And as early as this year, you're going to start seeing, you know, we're going to be reading about it on the Facebook page all year. If they don't hit on this pick, you know you know all the negative negativity that's going to come from it. So this is a very very important pick for them, probably a little bit more than you know what what we're used to in regard to you know guys taking a first round pick. We've had we how many years was um, our last head coach here? Gase three years four. or was it yeah, four, four years? Four. four. So th- this this is a situation where they've got to go out, and they've got to get somebody that is going to have an impact on the team. So it is somewhat important to our organization and our franchise, maybe a little bit more than some of the others, especially since we've struggled for so long. Well, the other thing that makes it important is this is the team we follow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Of course, right, to us. Lou, you you mentioned this was an important pick to keep the fan base and all that happy and all that, but that's just not going to happen because – you know, a majority of them think we should be drafting a, a quarterback because we got to have a quarterback to do anything. And, you know, the rest of the camp is saying, ah, build the trenches. And a percentage of the fan base is going to be unhappy no matter what they do in that first That's round. So true. Oh, there's That's no so question true. about it. 
There's no question. If they, if somehow Kyler Murray is on the board at 13 and we don't draft him and we use him for trade bait, oh, the, I mean, some of the people... The page are, will be closed for a month if that happens. Yeah, it'll be just the end of the world. The sky will be on the ground and, you know, it's, you know, nuclear holocaust. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is, though, once we start playing football games and they start seeing the first round pick, like Fitzpatrick last year, it may not have been a popular pick with some people, but as you watched him play, you're like, you know what? This guy's a very, very solid player. And I think that what I was trying to say is, is that the guy that they draft as the season progresses, he has to be a guy that's productive. And whether it be offensive line, the edge, edge player, a defensive tackle, whatever the case may be, he has to be a guy that's productive or else, again, like you said, it's going to be even worse at that point. You're not going to make everybody happy no matter who they draft. But as the season progresses, we got to hope that the guy that they take is in the lineup and he's being productive for us. You know, yeah, that's well, what I was trying if, to if say. If he's doing that, the people that are unhappy will simmer down. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying. And let's hope that yeah. that is, in fact, the case. Yeah, right? if they pull a, if they pull another Dion Jordan, it's going to be just fire him now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. I, I I despise Ireland. I think he 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 really oh. set this team back. But I'm going to say something about that pick. Okay, that was a year when the top of the draft was really poor, and he was considered the best defender in the draft. That was going into the draft. He was considered the best defender in the draft. So. I can't fault the guy for, you know, swinging the bat. The problem is he missed. It's going to happen. We see that it happens 75% of the time. So I don't hate him for that. I, my problem is he missed on most of his swings, you well, know, and uh, just what, hit, hit. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, what did we give up to move we, up? We in gave that up draft. a second round pick. Right. That's where my issue lies because I'm telling you, what, where were we drafting initially in that draft? I think it was somewhere around 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that area. Yeah, yeah. I believe it was middle of the road again. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, after that, you know, going, looking at that draft, you know, Kyle Long came in at offensive tackle, you know, after 15. Trufant came in after that, you know, as far as a draft pick. Right. Xavier Rhodes, Minnesota drafted. And DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson at number right. 27. Yeah, enough from, enough so. from you, all right? Enough from you. <laughs> well, never mind, so, guys, yeah. never mind guys like Kenny Vaccaro that were on the board. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, when, they, yeah. When, they, when I saw that trade and all that and I'm, I'm scrambling to find information on Deion Jordan, I'm going, why in the wide world of sports – would they reach for a player that doesn't fit what they're doing on the field? Well, yeah, most most people projected them at three, four outside linebacker. We all felt that. I way. just, I was just like, well, he's supposed to be a great talent, and I'm just like, man, I hope they didn't screw the pooch on this one. And well, we know, well, we know. Then, how, he, had, then he, had to, he had to gain weight and all this other nonsense. Yeah, it you know, just. So. Uh, Anyway, I never, I never was excited about that one. But you know, hey, like you said, Mike, he did, uh, he did swing for the fences. Uh, the problem is he struck out. Yep. yep, and he did a lot of that. That's what I said. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just what, one example. That's just one example. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, guys, that's it for uh, this evening. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank you guys for joining me, and uh, we'll be back next week. Sounds good, Mike. It was a pleasure as always.
Fins up. Fins up, everybody. Fins up. <laughs> <laughs>